Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its associate fellowship, The Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about how God is using us to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting, go to traincpe.org. And to learn more about our local church fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. The Jewish nation was raised up by God to be ambassadors of himself and the way unto him. But the Jews were sidetracked by their commitment to their own national heritage, legal culture, and religious customs, and as a result, they lost the message of righteousness through faith that God had revealed to Abraham their father. Paul, in Romans chapter 4, verses 9-17, through 17, confronts this error, and in so doing, reminds us in the church of our duty to present the gospel with nothing attached to it but the gospel. And also, he says, the father of the circumcision to those who are not only circumcised, as if that's not really the big issue here, but who also walk like the uncircumcised who walk in faith. Now, oddly enough, he's saying the Gentiles are the example you're supposed to follow in. The people who believe in Jesus without receiving these religious rituals who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abram had while still uncircumcised. You know what? You need the faith like uncircumcised people, he says. You need the faith of people who don't know all the rituals and don't know all the religious rites and don't know what they're supposed to They just simply believe. You need to be like that. And you can still be saved even though you've got these rituals, but only if you believe like the people who don't have the rituals and they just believe in him. Isn't that an odd twist? The Jews thought they were saved by all these rituals. And he flips it around and says, now nah, you're really going to have to follow the example of these uncircumcised Gentiles in order for you to know what faith is. Come to the church that way. We start following all these kinds of rituals. We have all these liturgies. We have all these trusts and these sacraments that we follow. We bolster ourselves around them and we draw meaning from them, wonderful meaning from them. But at some point in time, we rest in those things and it's like, nah, you, you got to kind of believe God like the man who's just in a ditch and he's desperate. And he just reaches out and says, Jesus, save me and rescue me. you got to have faith like that guy who hasn't even pulled himself out of his misery. But he just trusts in Jesus. Otherwise, you don't have the right kind of faith. You don't have the saving faith that you need. That's what Paul's saying. That brings us to our application. The application here that Paul's making is, this gospel is to be available to everyone. This gospel is to be available to all the nations. This gospel of faith, salvation by faith alone through the grace that God provides, the free gift that God provides, the free promises of blessing that God has made. This salvation, it must be, this must be the salvation we profess and we proclaim because only this salvation can go to all the nations and can be apprehended by all the people of the earth. And we're missionaries. And that's our call and that's our duty. So here's the application for ourselves. Who do we identify with here? Well... First, I think we have to kind of identify with those Jews who have patterned ourselves and around ourselves customs and behaviors and ideas, and good as they might be, that can become so important to us and so valued by us that they undermine our ability to proclaim the message to lost people. Right? An example would be this. I'm exceedingly grateful for the heritage that I have. I'm exceedingly grateful for my mother and my father and how they raised us and also grateful for how miraculous God was in bringing into their lives tremendous men of God and women of God who actually 
were individuals who were particularly used of God to speak to whole generations. I've dropped this before. I'm a name dropper when it comes to this, that my mother and father were tutored and mentored by A.W. Tozer, who was one of the great, great men of God in the last century. I'm very grateful for that. But you know, when I go overseas and I take the gospel to people in these remote places that have no reference of any significant past of Christian history, they've come out of darkness and Buddhism and as I've told you, one of my friends told me that his father was the first Christian in his family and his grandfather was a cannibal. Right? That's where they've come from. That's where they've emerged from. You know what I don't do? I don't go and tell them my wonderful story of my lineage and my heritage. Well, let me tell you the kinds of Christians that were in the back of my life that God has used to bless my life. And let me give to you that as the good news of how faithful God has been to me. And as a result, God can be faithful to you as well. That's not the gospel. I'm glad for those things, but how dangerous in my own life. Now listen, if I can't give that to them as any sense of hope, if that's not the way I'm going to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ, I better be careful that I'm not giving that to myself. I better be careful that I don't find myself saying, well, you know, life is pretty rough, but boy, do I have a good heritage. Boy, do my parents know some really great Christians that God was really faithful in the people they brought in their life. That's a real encouragement to me, and that's something that I can stand on. And no, no, no. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. You see? Nothing else. And so I'm glad for those things. I'm also glad, by the way, for the kinds of rules that my parents put in our lives in order to this could make you a Pharisee and did for a period of time in my own life, but I'm glad for these rules because these same laws eventually began to show me how sinful I was and how they applied, in a sense, the law of God and the way that we would live to seek to honor Him and obey Him. And so, now listen, I'm not saying this so that you can start taking notes, you know, and making comparisons, but, you know, in our home, we were not only not allowed to use curse words, we were not allowed to use words that you might use in place of curse words, you see? We weren't allowed to say, dang it, or darn it, or gosh, you see? Those were just words you used in replacing bad words by mild words, but it's the same spirit. And we weren't allowed to go to movies, and we weren't allowed to go to dances, and we had certain rules that were put upon us that our parents used to give us the idea that we were to live a separate life and a distinct life that sought to honor God. Later on in life, I discovered that with all those rules, the real thing they revealed is that I couldn't honor God, that I was sinful and I was broken. But I'm thankful for some of those things because they shielded me off from certain things that I would have done otherwise. It's kind of like, I think of the rules like this. I've always thought of it like this. Well, it's kind of like my parents also didn't let me buy candied cigarettes at the candy store. They just didn't want me to kind of introduce myself in a slow way to the real thing, right? So that at some point in time I graduate from candy cigarettes to the menthol ones. So if I bought them, I couldn't let them know I bought them. I had to buy them and eat them all before I got home. But you know, we weren't allowed to have those things. Well, I'm glad for that. But you know, when I travel overseas and I'm meeting with a person who's coming out of spiritual darkness and out of moral darkness where there are few limitations to the kinds of depravity and depraved expressions in their lives. I don't bring them the good news of how I was raised. I don't bring them news of the kinds of standard my family had, my parents had. And that's not good news. 
I bring them the news of the law of God for one reason, and it's not that law. I bring the law of God which says we're not to lie, and we're not to steal, and we're not to covet, and we're not to commit adultery in our heart, or murder in our heart, and I bring those laws, we're to worship God and God only, and I bring those laws only to show them that they've broken those laws, they can't be righteous through those laws, but there's one who's kept those laws completely, and it's Jesus Christ. And then he went and he suffered and died in their place for the sins they committed in order that he might cover them and pay for them and then give him his perfect righteousness. That's what I do. I don't give them some good news of my refined Christian opinions and standards of how we ought to live and how you ought to raise your children. It's not good news. Now listen, it's okay that you have those ideas and you try to apply those faithfully in your family, but it better not become the gospel that you rest in so that you are a respectable Christian. Because if it is, you won't have a gospel to give to lost and unsaved people. And they're all around you. And by the way, if that's not something that will translate to the man across the seas that you want to reach for Christ, I'll tell you, it won't translate to the man across your fence, your neighbor, that you want to win to Christ. Because many times, and particularly in our day and age, they're coming from the same thing. And if what you want to do is kind of reach them by the nostalgia of the way it was in the past, so we, you know, we just need to go back to the old ways, there's no gospel in that either. There's no gospel. It's too bad that we can't live in a day and age with a man's word as his pledge. And, well, that's nice to say, but the only reason you ought to talk about those things is to say, you know, it just shows you how, where our sin takes us and how broken and fallen we are and how much all of us need a righteousness that comes through Jesus alone by faith in Him. I could go on. I'm quite nostalgic also about the way I was raised to worship. I apply this one here. I like the way we do worship in our church. It reflects the way I was raised. The songs that we sing it. So my father started this church and I started it with him. And so we picked the style of worship that comported with the way we had learned to worship. It's kind of like this. I like something that's simple and easy and clear and plain and loaded with wonderful truths. You know, I don't like to go to a place where they're dancing entirely different and I don't know the steps. Because if you don't know the steps, you're looking at your feet instead of the face of the one you want to dance before. So I like the simple registers, the simple liturgies that we experience that are uncomplicated where we sing to one another and we hear our voices and we sing these songs that are so rich and so deep. And, and for me, I like it too because as we sing those songs, it reminds me of times when I sang them before and the moment and what God was speaking to me and saying to me. And so we sing songs that I sang over the funerals of my loved ones. We sing songs that we sang when I was getting married to my wife and making my vows to her. And, and we have expressions of worship that remind me of the times in the past, the simple times in the past when God worked that language to speak to me again and again. So I like that. I like doing that. I think it's valuable and good. And I was just in Columbia and we went to visit a church and I was asked to speak in the church. When we arrived at the church, they were already well into their worship. And, and first, I couldn't enter the door of the church because the man that was standing at the door held a big flag in his hand. And he was waving it back and forth while we were singing it. And, and I'd have to figure out the rhythm of how he was waving it so I could, I could actually dart through the door before I got wrapped on the head by his flag. And when I got in there, everybody was waving flags. And there was a person in the front dancing with a ribbon going around while they were singing. And I was like, okay, all right. You know, I'm not back in Boise right now. Then they asked me to preach. And it was my turn to preach. And you know what I didn't do? Let me give you the gospel of how we worship in my church. Let me share with you some quotes from the hymns we sing. And the nature, 
That's not the gospel. I gave them the gospel of a Savior who died on the cross for their sins to address every issue and need of their life and called them to Him to believe in Him alone by faith alone. And some responded to that message, gave their life to Christ. What's the warning for ourselves? Don't reach out to people in our community with the good news of the style of our worship. Don't say, you know, you might want to come to our church because our church does it a certain way that you probably really appreciate. That's not the message of the gospel. That's not the gospel. Don't rest in those things. Don't make anything ultimately important in your life that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Faith in Him alone. Let everything else become an expression. God can bless you through those other things, but only to the extent that they always bring us back to the word of faith, the saving word of faith that we can bring to anyone, anywhere. And that's the call of God upon our lives. This is not a place where we come because we're just nostalgic for the good old days. What a lost message, what a weak message that would be. That would be like saying, you know, my father used to do it this way. That would be like saying, here's the way we were taught, and here's the law, and we're the people of the law. That would be like saying, well, we have these rites of circumcision and all these things. And we can't be missionaries with that message. Thanks for listening in today to the Bread of Life. Keep the missionaries of Church Partnership Evangelism in your prayers as they work in Ecuador and Cambodia and India and Indonesia and Greece and Bulgaria to release the body of Christ as his witnesses. Find out more by going to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.